Welcome to another edition of Unplug It as we reflect back on round 14. And we've used the phrase frustrating a number of times on our podcast this year. It is the fourth such defeat that would fall into that category. We, we thought perhaps that the two losses where we were six goals up would be about the other levels of frustration or the maximum levels of frustration we could feel this year. But not to be that the tough loss to Brisbane followed by the even tougher loss to Melbourne by three points, losses that have left us vulnerable in terms of our position in the eight and, and needing to get a result pretty quickly. A short turnaround between this game against Hawthorne and our next game against the West Coast Eagles, which means we'll go live as we did for the Geelong game uh, for that West Coast Eagles game next week. Uh, we look forward to also catching up with 200 game Saint and best and fairest winner Stephen Baker next week as well uh, as part of our uh, broadcasting uh, Darren Parkin is my name, 8452 to 7749. Melbourne's win over us, Nick Splitter and Aaron McGrath. With me and H, um, yeah, that was a that was a bitter pill to to swallow. I mean, the the close losses we've had, you, you look at them and you think that the North loss in round one, it was just leading into lockdown. We had no idea if footy was coming back. That probably tempered the pain a little bit. The Fremantle loss was painful, very painful, but we won four in a row after that. Uh, the Brisbane loss, you thought, oh, we, we probably didn't necessarily deserve to win. We nearly pinched it against a good team. But, yeah, this one this one kicked us in the uh, in the pills a little bit, I think. Yeah, as a, any close loss hurts. It's, it's, sometimes you look at those games where, like, say against Brisbane, would have losing by 40 points hurt as much as what losing by three points does. Um, it's, yeah, the, as they say, the good teams win those. Um, we've just haven't been able to go over the line in those few games and it, it's going to make a huge difference when it comes towards the end of the year. Um, but the other side of the coin, you look at go, okay, we know we can beat Brisbane. We had the chance to. Um, it's, yeah, Melbourne may not be, be up there anymore looking at what's happened tonight. So that might be one that we don't have to worry about. But there's other teams above us that we've also beaten too. So it, it's just one of those weird seasons where... Yeah, I mean, we're looking at other results and sort of thinking, oh, okay, well, that's that's possibly going to help us. Or, But, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting last couple of weeks now. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, the, the good sides win those. We, we will probably, it's funny, of all the five close games we've played this year, the only one we won was probably the one out of those five where we were outplayed the most. I thought the Gold Coast were, were all over us for parts of that game. And that was the only game we actually won. Out of all of those others, uh, we had 46 inside 50s to 30 against Melbourne and uh, clearly a very frustrating loss. And, and Nick, you, you sort of had that feeling, I reckon, at quarter time when we'd missed two sitters and they'd kick two from the boundary that you thought, geez, that might bite us on the arse a bit later on. Yeah, there are a few things. And that's that's right. I mean, it's one, it's one of those games. And H, you said you, all those the, the close games are the ones that you hate to lose and the frustrating losses and stuff. But there's, there's something about losing to Melbourne that I just find really hard to deal with. I think because they've been on such a similar journey and, you know, it's been so long for them too and a uh, young team and they're developing and they've got some good young kids and, and all that sort of stuff, similar kind of story. I just hate losing to them. And because we, we had such a good run against them for so long that now to, to lose against them in this fashion, just really, it, it really kicks me in the teeth and, uh, I was I was pretty deflated after that. I mean, luckily I'd had had a, a few beers or, or a couple, uh, a couple more than a few that night, so I wasn't too bad. But the next morning, not uh, not feeling too flash for a number of reasons. But yeah, that was it was really frustrating. And, and you're right, Parker, that that quarter time scoreline 
you know, you look at, at the balance of play and, and we weren't, we weren't bad. I mean, we weren't completely outplayed like the score suggested that, that we were, but we didn't take our chances and they did. And that was kind of the story for the rest of the game. Although they did kind of, they, they did play better for the, the rest of the game. I thought we probably weren't the, the better team on, on the night, but yeah, we, geez, we had our opportunities and it's, it's very frustrating. Yeah, your gut sometimes tells you stuff for whatever reason. And even when we hit the front midway through the third quarter, for some reason, I felt horrible about the, uh, the game. I just, for whatever reason, couldn't shake that, that feeling. And uh, even at the end, when we're sort of pressing inside 50, and you're like, well, of course we can win. We only need to kick one, and, and we've got it. Um, it just wasn't quite, even when, you know, Marshall took that mark about 50 metres out and lined it up, you thought, well, it's unlikely you'll kick that. So, you, again, I was sort of thinking, you're better off just landing that 10 metres out rather than landing it two metres out and just having them push it through for a point. But, yeah, very, very, very frustrating. And um, working in here at SEN on a Sunday morning, uh, there's a lot of a lot of Melbourne supporters that frequent this building on a, uh, on a Sunday morning. And I work with them every Sunday morning and, and I've never really seen them or heard them talk football at all. And it had nothing to do with me, but on Sunday morning, every one of them's in here with a Melbourne scarf on and they're playing a song out of the speakers. And yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant experience fronting up to work on, on a Sunday morning. Guarantee it won't be happening this week. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just like you look at the result from from tonight, uh, and you just wonder how how do we lose some of these games? You look at, at the North game and what what's happened to North since round one. How do we lose that game? You look at the Frio game. How do we lose that game? Uh, and this one again, it's just like how we're, we're better than that mob. We're so on our best footy. We're so clearly better than this mob. And how did we let it slip? How did we how did we not take advantage of a massive opportunity to solidify a spot in, in playing finals again. And I guess that's the thing. We've got to drag ourselves out of that group because our best football, yeah, it does look like we are better than that. But then you look at it and say, well, if you, if you keep dropping those games, then you probably don't deserve to, to, to feel that way necessarily, even though, you know, we know from watching the game when you beat Port Adelaide and Adelaide, you beat Richmond, you run Brisbane all the way to the line at the Gabba, um, you know, the, some of the performances that they've been able to, to put in, uh, but then you, you obviously see results like that and you're like, you've got to be able to put those behind you. You've, you've got to leave those ones behind. And another chance this week against a, a Hawthorne side that has lost to Adelaide, who are clearly the worst team in the competition. And the Crows are always going to beat somebody. The, the, the days of, you know, teams going undefeated or winless, it's just not going to happen, I don't think, in, in modern footy anymore. So, look, Hawthorne are, are look looking strife clearly and, and with an eye probably to, to next season. Uh, they're one of those sides that you would think hub life would get difficult for them. Three games in 10 days. Uh, it, it's a game that we just have to put away. Now, like every other Saints fan, you're going to be nervous until that time comes. But these are the challenges. You, you, you obviously don't deserve to play finals if you keep stuffing these chances up. So that's the challenge that's in front of us. Just tick the box. Yeah, well, probably the only team that you sort of look at and go, okay, we kind of finished that game off and finished them off a little bit was probably Sydney. Yeah. Um, apart from that, we haven't really put our foot down, put on the put our foot on the throat and gone, where this is our game. It's there's they've been grinding wins, they've been sort of yeah, close losses, and it's getting to this point of the season where we actually need to put a team away and and say, hey, this this is how good we can play. We can re- we can destroy a team. We can 
play football that other teams can't keep up with. So need to get out there and just, yeah, just do, get a big win. Just to well, say, that's the thing. Up. I mean, like, obviously we, we, we need to win regardless. We need to bank the four points because that's the most important thing. But, but the four points and a percentage boost would just about do it for us. And we've got, got a couple of tough games following. Um, but the four points, a, a win and a, a decent percentage boost, you know, a, a six or ten goal win would go a long way to, to making sure that, that we're there in, in two or three more weeks. Uh, whereas, you know, if, if, if we scrape through and win by a goal then you'd think that we probably have to wait in some other results, uh, you know, and potentially hope that, that we can sneak a, a win against one of the two bigger guns uh, or have some just, just close losses and just run with them and, and not get blown out because that's, that's at the end of the day, ultimately what's going to be the, the deal breaker is, is percentage. The benefit of our next four-day break which is not ideal is that West coast will also have a four day break. And, and in fact, their schedule has been pretty tough. I think they'll go something like five, four, five, four or something like that in, in breaks. They won't have Luke Shuey when we play them or Elliot Yo or Cripps. Um, we're not going to have memory this week. I don't believe uh, with the finger surgery, it looks unlikely that he'll get up for, for the game. Um, they've still been umming and ahhing about resting Max. Obviously, they won't do that now. Um, you wonder whether they do that on the four-day backup against the Eagles and maybe play somebody like Marsh or something like that just to give them a, a bit of height or, or, or just permanently play Marshall forward and, and allow Ryder to, to ruck for most of it. But yeah, they're the things you've, you've got to try to balance in it. But yeah, tick this box and then give yourself a, a chance with numerous possible outcomes in the, the last couple of rounds to to maybe get you there. I mean, I guess that's the frustrating thing as we sit here now, we probably should be safe in the eights. Had we have, all we had to do was win one of those two close games. And, and that's why the Brisbane one hurt a little bit because you thought, well, if you drop somehow drop the next one, then you're in trouble. And that's exactly what we did. So got to write that ship. Um, memory obviously missed a couple of chances early uh, last week, but Jack Steele, uh, timely to, to mention him. He signed another four-year extension uh, or an another four-year extension. He signed a four-year extension uh, during the last 24 hours in actual fact. And clearly he's graduated this year from a very good player into a, a superstar. So um, you sense he's going to be the next captain. We say that in a week where our current captain will play his 200th game. I said a four-year extension on Jack Steele. It was only a two-year contract extension. I think I got a little bit optimistic there. Through to the end of 2022 for Jack Steele. 24 years of age, so that contract will take him to 26. So, um, yeah, hopefully there's a long-term deal after that, which will, uh, which will see him out. Yeah, and I think I saw someone mentioning that uh, on Fox Footy tonight, they were talking about it a little bit, and really sort of touted him as the next captain as well. So that's yeah. it, sort of sitting along the, probably the timeline, that two-year period's probably round about the point where it might happen. So How old's Geary? Um, 31 or something? Yeah, so he's possibly got one or two left or three. Who knows whether he plays another year or two 32, after not being captain. 32, Jaron Geary. So he's had some injuries. Um yeah, so you wonder he'll be obviously 33 in the middle of next year. So, yeah, that's probably about right. You'd think that, that two would be the ceiling on him, and that's whether he captains both of those years or yeah. not. I mean, but yeah, um, that might, be the, the, so might be the second year that he goes to – they go, okay, he's the captaincy, and then, then it, yeah, it's a bit harder to walk out then, isn't it? So um, Yeah, well, it's yeah. also – it's harder to guarantee someone the captaincy 
you know, 12 months or 24 months in advance. You don't know what that form line is going to be in another year, mm. especially after a year like this. But you imagine that maybe there's some sort of clause in the contract. Obviously, we don't get details, you know, to financial details um, or bonus details around some of these these contracts in Australian sports. But potentially there's a clause in there with some sort of trigger that if he's offered the captaincy or if he if he's voted by the leadership group, whatever, that there's a an extra bonus or an extra kicker or something. Um, and at the at the end of this two-year extension, then you'd expect that he'd be in line for another big payday if he's if he's form line and the trend continues. Absolutely, and and look, he's so far in front in the best and fairest. You would think you don't even have to obviously look at the votes to to know that he'd be fairly prominent up there. And, and you would sense, I think for for a lot of the years, Steele and, and Butler would have been our two All Australians. Butler in the last three weeks would now be probably on the edge of the team. He hasn't quite had as strong a last few weeks, but Jack Steele certainly would be one of the first picked in that team, uh, potentially as a Ruck Rover in the All-Australian team, which is good reward for, for him, uh, definitely. And uh, obviously a very pleasing sign for us. It was about who could turn into superstars. A few years ago, the, the debate around St Kilda was, well, who are the, they've got some good players, but who are the, the superstars, the, you know, the game-breaking players? And Gresham can potentially be that player. Brad Hill, we know, can be that player as much as this year has been a little underwhelming. Jack Steele, certainly that player. It looks like Max King can, can hopefully become that player. Um, so you might end up there with, you know, half a dozen if, if Hunter Clark could potentially become one of those as well. So that's what you need. There was a time, yeah. there was a time when those, those main guys were uh, Blake Akers and Jack Nunes. So yeah, exactly. who would you rather have in the team? Yeah, spot on. And that's all about the evolution of it. But... I guess votes on last week. I think we've all gone fairly similar. I went three to Brad Hill. That was clearly the best game he's played for us. 27 possessions, I think he had. Kept on running the whole way through. He's often had good starts and and relatively poor second halves. This was certainly a four-quarter effort from him. Jack Steele could easily have got the three. Gave him two votes again. Kicked that big goal before halftime. And I think he had 17 possessions or something at halftime and kept on working through. And I gave one vote to Rowan Marshall. That was probably the, I know he had Ryder alongside him, but that's probably the best he's looked against either Gorn or Grundy. So uh, for mine, he gets the, uh, he gets the one vote was, was pretty important. Even forward of center probably could have kicked three and in the end kicked, uh, kicked one and uh, was a valuable contributor. H. Uh, okay. And jump to me. Um, I think, I think Parko missed the memo. I think we we're going to switch our votes around from this week on. So um, we had a sorry, Tony. We had a message from someone saying, "Oh, oh they wanted to get get, get, get a bit of the one, two, three. Sorry about that. I did see that, Tony. Four, <laughs> so, so sorry, you, can, you guys can do it if you want. I've, I've stuffed it. We'll, up. we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've basically I've started off with Jones with the one. Um, eight tackles was yeah twice as many as any of the other players on the field for us on the night. Um, yeah, used the ball quite well. As as I was saying, he had one one error that did cost us a little bit, but overall, yeah, he had a great night. Uh, two to Hill, you just ran everywhere. He it looked like we're actually starting to use him the way that he should be used. He's he's there to get the ball and move it up the field for us. He's not the one that's meant to be in there getting it out. So we're finally finding the open space and letting him do what he's meant to be doing. So, and we can see what's going to happen if we actually allow this to happen. So keep going with that. And, that, and that's what we want. Um, and clear best again, steel run. He's just running away with this. <laughs> don't, don't need to say anything else. Yeah. Look, uh, honorable mentions. 
Uh, I wanted to, to give a shout out to Ben Long and Ben Patton, our two small kind of general defenders. Between them, 31 touches, 17 intercepts, uh, and, and really have become mainstays in, in that defensive unit and, and have been really unbelievable for us all year, uh, except for a couple of weeks where, where we missed Long for a, a little bit of aggression, but that's okay. Uh, and, and Zach Jones, who was clear kind of next best, I think, in, in regards to, to our best players. But one vote I gave to Brad Hill, I think it was his best game for us, 27 touches in shortened games for a, a wingman. is really impressive. And what he did with it was good. 440 metres gained uh, was our second our second best. Uh, two I gave to Rowan Marshall. I thought he was, he was a standout player um, in terms of our, our tall guys, and that was through the middle of the ground and, and in the forward line. Um, just gave us, offered us something different, worked hard, you know, moved up on top of the ground and, and, and worked really hard for the, the whole game. And, and like you said, probably should have kicked a couple of goals and maybe that, that changes the, the outcome. But you know, I thought he put, it, put himself and put us in an opportunity to, to win the game. And yeah, I mean, you can't argue Jack Steele, 26 touches, eight clearances, a goal. 459 metres gained, which is number one on the ground. Um, for him, you know, he's not known for his his long kicking or his ball movement in particular. He's more known for his ball winning ability. But for, for Steele to have that amount of ball and push the ball forward as, as much as he did, as well as winning it in tight and, and those clearances and, and sort of thing and cap it off with the goals, you know, he, he's been our best player this year by so far. It's not even, I mean, it's not even funny. Yep. Yeah, you could conceivably miss the last few and, and still win the BNF, you would think. So hard to go past uh, him and on that. And yeah, that, that rounds up what was a tough, tough loss to the Ds. So we look ahead to Hawthorne on Sunday. So the Hawks... Busy schedule for them. They've still got a couple of players that are sort of on the edge of selection, like o O'Meara and, and Smith that have had some injuries that might return for them. But um, clearly on form, it, it's it's an opportunity for, for us. You can never discount anybody in this unusual 2020 conversation around football. So we'd never write them off, but uh, hopefully we can get the job done. Tim Embry, as we say, unlikely to play as a result of finger surgery, which if he is to miss a game, it would be just one. And, and the mail is that that will be the case. So a question of what they do. I mean, clearly you would think that Battle would then play Membry's role. Uh, he would sort of try to assume that role as the, the main leading forward with, with Max King, obviously, in the stay-at-home role. Uh, Butler and, and the like obviously doing their usual role but I wonder what they would do selection wise to try to balance that whether they would go with just another running player be it Loney or somebody of that ilk or, or whether they try to structure it up with like we say a, a Marsh or, or just rely on one of your Ruckman to play forward so hopefully Nick that, that that's a, a, a pattern that they can obviously pick or, or find the right the right way through Yeah I mean it really depends how they how they see that memory role lining up. I, I really like battle forward. I mean, I like him in defence too. I just like him in the squad. It doesn't really matter where he plays. I think he impresses everywhere, but I really like battle forward, especially if memory's out. Um, and in, in that case, you're looking at, at guys like Robert and um, Marsh can go go back, although I don't really like him in that role. Um, you know, Claverino has been getting some, some decent raps in, in scratch matches. Logan Austin as well. I don't know if there's potential for those guys. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of question marks. What's that? Or do you play Carlisle forward? Bring you could you could play Carlisle forward. You could play Carlisle forward and keep Battle back. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of question marks. It's one of those ones. You know, a couple of years ago, you take Membry out of the 
out of the lineup. It's almost a disaster. Um, but now you've, there's a number of options and we really don't know which way they're going to go until, until selection. So Famous, it's kind it was of, a disaster you know, once. They, uh, when, we, when we beat Richmond by 1,000 points in 2017, memory got suspended for two weeks and I think we got flogged in those next two games and derailed our season. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that this time that he misses is not going to have a, a similar effect. But I think we've got enough depth to, to cover. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the consistency. Can we play four quarters? And, and, you know, can they each play their roles at the same time? Which is, I think is, is one thing that we've lacked in those, in those frustrating games that not everyone has put in four quarters and not everyone has played their role at the same time, we've gotten a quarter or two from some guys and another quarter or two from another couple of guys. But in those in those frustrating games, you just don't seem to have that consistency or the, the cohesion that everyone's on at the same time. And it's, it's something that you can kind of you can deal with if if you play well and if everyone's if everyone's giving maximum effort and you still lose by a couple of points. It's frustrating, but you can deal with it because you know there's, there's not much else you could have, could have done. But we know in those in those four or five close games. It, yeah, there's clearly things that, that we did wrong or, or things that we didn't work hard enough at um, that, that could have and, and would have had an impact on results. So if, if it, it almost doesn't matter who we bring in for memory, if, if everyone plays their role, we'll, we'll win because it's, we'll win. It's, just, it's as simple as that, really. Yeah, I actually like the idea of Marshall playing that forward role. It, in a way, it's kind of a rest from that crash and bash ruck roll, um, and it gives us a big target up forward. We know he can take a mark. We know he kicks a, has a beautiful kick and kick a goal. Um, it, it's really going to stretch Hawthorne's back line, I think. Um, you think about it, they've actually got McAvoy playing in defence at the moment, basically week to week already. So it's, it's almost like counteracting him as well, playing him down there. We're going to have a ruckman playing on the defensive ruckman you get the, we're not going to lose the easy hit outs to him in the forward line all the time. We're not going to like, cause they're going to be um, working with yeah, um, Mitchell and um, all that, just, just sharking the ball off McAvoy in the back line like they do. So if we can get someone down there who's actually competing with him really well, then we're, we're almost getting up um, two ups on him there. So yeah, McAvoy, the McAvoy matchup is a really important one for us because that's been, I think that's been the key role that's that's been our undoing in the last couple of weeks. You had um, Harris Andrews for Brisbane just mopped up completely on his own and dominated their, their back half. Every time we, we looked to go inside 50, he was there and marked everything. And Stephen made it again on the weekend and, and did exactly the same thing. And, and it was our our ball movement into, into forward 50 and into that attacking zone that, that really lacked. We couldn't seem to get around those two guys. And McAvoy plays a very similar role at the moment in terms of how he, he reads the play for Hawthorne at centre-half back. Um, and, you know, that, that's going to be a really a really interesting one. And, and, H, I think you're right in that the Marshall, the moving Marshall forward to be accountable on McAvoy could be a, a really interesting role. But it's something that they've looked to, to John O'Marsh to do on those guys in earlier in the season. And I wonder if they look to go back to that. Potentially. Possibly. Yeah. It's interesting playing. Yeah. The one thing that's, I mean, you talk about the unpredictability of this season. The the last thing you want to do is, is come up against an Alistair Clarkson Hawthorne team coming off a loss to the worst team in the competition. It's it's just red, red flags all over the place. And it's, you certainly can't afford to take it lightly. 
No, and you hope hope that the break factor that, that Hawthorne have had such a jammed schedule, you know, back-to-back five-day breaks and, and those sorts of things that they've spent the last few weeks in Adelaide. So obviously then coming back to Queensland uh, might might be a factor. Metricon, we haven't played particularly well at Metricon this year. Obviously, we had the loss to uh, to Fremantle inexplicably and didn't play all that well against the Gold Coast either. So hopefully we can... Uh, find our best football this time around. And it's it's funny, H playing Hawthorne uh, reminds me straight away going back to Moorabbin uh, back in the, the pre-season in February. And it seems like an absolute lifetime ago. There was a full house at Moorabbin, 12, 14,000 or whatever it was. And having beers on the hill. And, and that's the only time this year we've been able to, I know those that went to Moorville to, to see us play Collingwood would be different, but the only time we've been able to watch us play live with crowds and, and some sense of normality this year. And it seems so long ago. Yeah. I was actually just thinking of that, thinking of that myself a few minutes ago. I was thinking, Oh, we actually did go and watch them earlier in the year. And as you say, it's just, just feels so long ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, the, the teams that played that night almost feel like they'll probably more, high, uh, more full strength than what the teams going out this weekend almost are. Um, Hawthorne, Hawthorne, definitely, I think, um, in the way that basically, I, if I remember back to the team, they had Patton coming in. He was fresh. He was ready to go. Um, their, their side was quite good. I think the only player merely missing for them was, um, um, their, I don't on, think he played, did he? Probably not, not, probably not. I'm thinking, um, Sicily, I don't think played. Apart from that, yeah, well, they, now anyway. So. Yeah, he's out as well anyway. But yeah, I think they had a reasonable side that in in that night. Mm-hmm. It's actually quite a good game when you actually go yeah, back and look it was at a it. Good game of footy. It was seventeen goals, mm. fourteen or something high scoring. So yeah, it's 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 not, obviously not going to be much of a precursor to looking at this game now. So no. um, we should go should have a bit of confidence going in having the better list. But yeah, they're just saying. It's just the sort of game you go. Okay, who knows what they're going to bring? Who who knows how much Kaliko's got into them this week? But just got to get on them early. Yeah, can't help but be nervous. But yeah, just got to start well, get the jump and run, and, and hopefully their their dropped heads from the Adelaide game will will stay dropped. And and it's a, a watch similar, hopefully, to the Essendon game, which was fairly comfortable. But that's the the challenge that sits in front of us. We, we've left ourselves in a position now where we we have to win. Uh, we have to win to give ourselves a chance in the last couple of games and not leave ourselves too much work to do against the West Coast Eagles uh, or the GWS Giants, who will be playing for a spot in the finals. You would think at that point as well. So, and also before we wrap things up, we'll go through some of our listener questions. And also, a lot of you have Stephen Baker as a friend, or you follow him on social media. He's uh, certainly vowed or promised to, to come on our podcast. He's had a few little gremlins in the system along the way with uh, uh, meetings and dodgy internet and, and things like that. So if you give him the odd reminder that his Saints family would like to hear from him, just keep hitting him up. Just a little bit of peer pressure to help us get Bakes across the line. Uh, a few of our listener questions at Matt Swanee, good listener uh, of ours. Uh, now that Jack Steele has re-signed, should we make him captain now or wait until... We said next week. I assume you means next year, uh, Nick. Yeah, I think there's a bit of uh, facetiousness there from from Matt. Um, yeah, look, I, it's an interesting. One. I, I mean, we've we've all said for for weeks, if not months, that that he's the obvious option for the next captain. 
is he is he ready now? I mean, the way that he plays, he probably is, but mentally, emotionally, does he want the job? You know, he's not in the leadership group this year, as, as we've discussed a number of times. Do you go straight from not being in the leadership group to being captain next year? I don't know. It's pretty rare that that would happen, I'd imagine. So, you know, I, I think we'd all like to see him captain. It's just a matter of whether he wants it, whether the, the club and, and the leaders within the club think that he's ready and whether he thinks he's ready for it. But, yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him captain. And um, I've got one here from... Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, worth, go worth, worth acknowledging that our current captain does play his 200th game this week, as we mentioned earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, has, and, and I think he's often yep. disregarded, underrated, but we f- forget, and, and we don't forget, we've, we've spoken about it a number of times on this show, how much of a warrior Jaron Geary yep. has been and, and remains for us. Um, I, I don't think he's, he's underrated uh, at all on, on our show, but I think there are a lot of, a lot of fans and, and footy fans that, that underrate the impact Jaron Geary has on, on this football club and, and has had for a number of years. Um, so well done. Well done to Jaron. Uh, uh, incredible effort. 200 games of, of AFL footy is, is always impressive, no matter what. Um, one here from, uh, from Daniel Burns H. Now that Paddy's fit, and I assume that he meant Paddy McCartan, uh, will and should they rookie list him? Um, it's, he's the sort of player at the moment that, as it has been mentioned in a few places that he he could be better as a list topper for a real top contender, say a Geelong or someone like that. There's someone more likely to pick him up. Um, he's not going to go. I don't. I don't think he's going to go to like a Sydney or something like that where his brother is because they're nowhere at the moment. They're rebuilding. They're probably not going to take take the risk on him. Um, it's a, one, of the, one of those top teams may look at him, but for us, it's, I don't know, do we have the room there for him? I mean, Bruce went, so because there wasn't really space for him in, in the forward line. Um, it's, yeah, the, we're, we're kind of, he'd be almost as backup looking at it now, if you look at it, um, unless he came along and absolutely burst onto the scene um, saying VFL and got picked up mid-year or even or something like that next year if the mid-season draft comes back again then because that was where he was touted to be looking at to be looked at this year but obviously that's never happened um, I reckon he needs six months or a, or a year VFL level before anyone's even going to look at him yeah that might be his best chance as you say to, to get some games in and, and earn himself that chance but as a rookie you'd, you'd contemplate it for those depth reasons as discussed I mean, the other question is, as a duty of care, I mean, you look at mm-hmm. look at the news this week um, out of the, the Frawley family and and Spud, um, the club has a duty of care. And, and for them to say, after all of your concussion and your head injury issues and history, should you be playing AFL football again? And that's, that's a very serious question that I think all parties have to ask themselves. Uh, you know, it's, this is, this is not just a, a guy who's who's done a, a, an ACL or you know broke a leg coming back from from major surgery. This is this is a guy that's that's had very serious brain injuries or, or at least the the concept of brain injuries um, that we just don't know enough about. So is is it worth is it worth the risk? I mean. A football aspect is, is one thing, but the human aspect is another thing. Yeah, and there's always a chance of, you know, it's, it's AFL football. You could get a Jordan Lewis, Jared Harbour type collision. I mean, he could get five head knocks. It's just the way the game is played. You can't avoid that. So, 
Um, yeah, and that's always been in the back of my mind. What would another massive head knock do to Paddy McCartan? And I'm not a concussion expert, but mm. you play AFL, that can happen. And yeah. uh, it's, he's shown... A, uh, yeah. yeah. A, a major one would probably be it, if you'd, you'd think about it. Um, you take, and then looking at that, that would be a big risk. Um, I mean, happens in the first 10 minutes of the first game he plays for you, then that's mm. it. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah, you just don't know. Um, one a quick one for Parco. Um, Alex Alex is asking when we delist all these players that no one seems to want, who's actually going to play for us? Yeah, I've um, <laughs> my rule is I know it sounds bad because we have social media accounts ourselves, but uh, avoid Facebook and Twitter after defeat would be my advice. Um, too many never read the comments. Yeah, yeah never yeah, read the comments. Too, too many matches. Some some yeah. of the comments you see, you sort of just go, I don't know what they're thinking or. Yeah, it's it's quite amusing. Yeah. You just got to laugh at some of them. It's it's imagine you can imagine some of these people actually working at clubs. What how would it go? Yeah, just that's the funny thing. Pop onto our, our unplugged channels and just leave your votes, and and that'll do you. I reckon both <laughs> the loss coming away after a win. Fingers crossed that we can get back on the winners list. It's obviously been a couple of frustrating weeks, but an opportunity does present itself. Hopefully to get our ninth win on the season and take one more step towards the finals. So uh, good luck for wherever we're watching it this week and go Saints.